With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's that time. Lock and load. The Michael Berry Show is on the air. Love me tender, love me sweet, never let me go. You have made my life complete, and I love you so. Love me tender, love me true. All my dreams fulfilled For my darling I love you And I always will On this day Love me tender, In 1972 Take me Elvis Presley files for a divorce for from Priscilla in Santa Monica, California. And we'll never love me tender, love me true, all my dreams for my The Commission on Presidential Debates gearing up Ramon for potentially having Gary Johnson on stage. Politico reports, quote, The venues that will host the presidential debates are drawing up plans for a three-person forum that would provide a lectern for a third-party candidate to stand on stage next to Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. The directive comes from producers working for the Commission on Presidential Debates, and it is meant, they say, to force the university hosts to be prepared and not as a reflection of the race, of the state of the race. Oh, I see. Okay. All right. It caught me off guard. Commission on Presidential Debates co-chair Mike McCurry says, quote, with former Governor Gary Johnson polling in some places more than double digits, they might have, some of our production people may have said, just in case you need to plan, you need to plan out what that might look like to participate in one of the four general election debates, three for president, one for VP. Candidates, candidates must be eligible for the presidency and, quote, appear on a sufficient number of state ballots to have a mathematical chance of winning a majority vote 
in the Electoral College, the commission announced last year. They also must have a level of support nationally of at least 15 percent as, quote, determined by five selected national public opinion polling organizations using the average of those organizations most recently reported results at the time of the determination. Johnson is hovering around 8.8% in national polls, according to Real Clear Politics Average. Despite being below the 15% cutoff, there might be some flexibility in getting someone like Johnson on stage. The commission says they may consider giving an inch to a third-party candidate if he or she is close enough to the cutoff point. What's close enough? Creating rules like that that you do not stand behind. Creating this flexibility for human beings with all of their fallibility to determine is the worst way to ensure credibility in the process. I think it is very bad for a country when you do not respect fairness in the process. And if you give people enough belief that there's no fairness in the process, guess what? That's exactly what they'll do. And when you don't trust a process, you don't follow its rules. When you don't trust a process, you don't support it, respect it, self-enforce it, or follow it. And that is exactly where we're headed. Ramon, you watched the Olympics last night? I still haven't watched. I can't get excited about it. The entire planet is segregated. If you look at the Olympics, you look at our uh, U.S. gymnastics squad. We have an Asian girl, a white girl, a black girl. Look at the Chinese squad. <laughs> Any guesses? Did you guess exclusively Chinese? <laughs> yeah, that's all that's ever been on that team. That's all that will ever be on that team. And they wonder why they're not getting golds anymore. Well, you better get a Harlem in China. You think snapping together iPads all day is tough? <laughs> it is not as tough as it used to be. Now they have suicide nets around their building so they can jump out, bounce right back. Sorry, boss, just need some fresh air. <laughs> back to making Americans more stuff. You got it. <laughs> and then, and then there's Michael Phelps. We're the only place with any diversity. The entire planet's segregated. If you look at the Olympics, you look at our uh, U.S. gymnastics squad. We have Did you change that or did I? We have a new uh, we have a new system here, folks. That's why we keep messing up the audio. We'll get it down. I don't know what's more embarrassing in this country, that Michael Phelps fell from the graces for smoking marijuana or that you looked up to a swimmer in the first place. <laughs> Are you out of your mind? Swimming? You mean that thing you instinctively do before you die? Yeah, but he's really fast. It's pretty heroic the first thing michael phelps should have done when that photo came out was call kobe bryant's publicist because kobe was accused of rape and all he had to do was settle in civil court for millions of dollars change his jersey number win a championship and that soulless town in la couldn't be prouder yeah i just hope when parents let their kids run around in number 24 jerseys they have the decency to be like well come on number eight was the rapist 
24 just has a great work ethic and an unblockable turnaround. Michael Phelps, he won 13 gold medals in Beijing, which I'm told is a lot. Wait till he competes in the Special Olympics because he will clean up. And yeah, he'll get in. He has an underbite. That's a sign of downs. How is that guy shattering world records with that mouth filling with water on every stroke? <laughs> Texas A&M professor John Ellison has taught genetics at Texas A&M for over 30 years, but he is retiring before the fall semester in protest of the state's campus carry law. State's campus carry law has gone into effect. And every incident related to it will be reported breathlessly. As if this is a massive sea change in the way life operates on college campuses. But if three weeks ago a student was stabbed by another student or run over or beaten up or a female student was raped by one of the athletes or the janitor on campus, that was not reported. These things will happen. I think we all agree we're safer with an armed citizenry. An armed society is a polite Michael society. Michael Come on. Berry Show. Berry Show. Come on, like him a lot. My favorite two songs that bring in brass for no good reason. This one and guess which other one? Not Ring of Fire, but I'm adding that. My three favorite songs. Ring of Fire, this, and what other song? Temptations Blow. What is it? Don't just go, oh, that's it, yeah. You have to be able to tell what it is. Super Freak with Rick James. Give me some. That's a great that's a great moment. Rick James, what a great understanding of creating this special moment. I got this song. This is gonna be my best song ever. I'll bring in the temptations. didn't oh wait never mind remember he had kind of the head and then probably takes a long time oh, you could do that with your beard
white guy could never talk like that. Just couldn't pull it off. You know where Barry White was born? Galveston. Did you know that? I have like eight facts. I try to work them into everything. You want another fact? He wrote and produced uh, Girl Just Likes to Party or whatever it is for uh, Eddie Money. That's funny, is it? I mean, for Eddie Murphy. Well, the reason I was thinking about Eddie Money... Hold on. Temptations sing. I thought it was Temptations blow. I thought there was some brass in this song. Oh, that's funny. You didn't know there was. You agreed with me, and now you're giggling away that I got it wrong. You know what? I try to create connections, and then you go. You make fun. You know that's fine. You stand on the sidewalk. I knew there was brass in this song. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground. Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. You know what? You are an evil human being. You're like my brother. Can't do nothing for nothing, but somebody else tries and you're going to sit on the back. <laughs> you fell down. Horrible. You know, I got another list for you, Ramon. I'm working through it in my head. Rick James bringing um, uh, the Temptations in. Tell me that song, Ramon. First one that comes to mind, where somebody brings somebody else in from history for no reason other than to have them on that song, and it's magical. Go ahead. Magical, I said. That's it. Because I said Eddie Money, I accidentally, that's it. Can we get a little Take Me Home tonight? There's your song, Ramon. There's your question. I want you to ponder this and see what else you can come up with. When somebody brings in somebody from history and it adds to the song. We got the money man coming back. Uh, They have to announce that person. Good question. They have to in some way make reference to the fact like, hey, y'all, see what I got? 
Look what I got. What is yours? What's yours? A Motown song by Rust. It's a Motown artist that he brings in? Do I know the song? A Motown song with Rod Stewart. The Motown song? Give me a hint who the Motown star is that he brings in. They're black. Oh, that's helpful. So it's not Aaron Neville. It's irritating me. You think Phil Spector took it that wig off before he slept with her? Did you ever see the picture of him when he took that wig off? Oh man, it was sad. Did you see La Caja Foe? Looked like the one in that one that wore them. Oh, here we go. Turn it up. Turn it up. Tina Turner or Ronnie Spector? Cher or Tina Turner? Aretha Franklin or Tina Turner? 67 Aretha. 87 Aretha. 2017 Aretha. Have you seen Aretha? Well, it's not just good looks. I mean, you you know at that moment, I'm getting it on with Aretha. Tina's big, but, I mean, literally, but think about it. I mean, for pure brag factor, for pure brag factor, I'm not sure. Ramon, that's a very difficult question right there. I don't think you're thinking about it. Like Aretha Franklin, like Blues Brothers Aretha Franklin. I'm thinking legacy. I, I, yes. I'm thinking stuff you tell your grandkids. But the problem, that's a very difficult question. Diana Ross or Tina Turner? Because that's just straight up legacy. That is just straight up legacy. Cher or Dolly Parton? Dolly over Cher. Okay. All right. Because Cher ended up trying to run her mouth. And she's always wanting to have political opinions and stuff. I'd, I'd wish she'd just be quiet. I want, I have to wonder what it looks like down under there at this age. You really do because you're thinking to yourself, but I'm not sure that's 100% on the up and up. I'm not, I'm just, all right, Ramon, how about this one for you? Hold on, I'm still thinking. Uh, Loretta Lynn or Dolly Parton? You know, Dolly? Loretta? Who had a crush on? You can't have a crush on the same woman. You're, the, the Kennedys did that. 
Jack would ask women, he asked Marilyn Monroe, supposedly, how he was compared to his dad. That's weird. Those people were weird. The information that I get from his show that I don't seem to get from other places. The Michael Berry Show. Off Rick James. Ramon, name a prominent singer with the longevity Rod Stewart has had who you would rank above him and someone prominent you would rank below him. Rolling Stones are too big, he's not in their category. Only if you're going to put Neil Diamond ahead of him. No, I don't. I didn't ask commercially. You're going to put Neil Diamond ahead of Rod Stewart? Well, I could go look up commercially. This is a subjective question. You're not going to put Neil Diamond ahead of Rod Stewart. You don't mean that. No, you don't put Neil Diamond below Rod Stewart. Try again. Yeah, you don't put Baby in a Corner. You don't put Neil Diamond below Rod Stewart. That's terrible. Try again. In your rankings of who you most appreciate on whatever scale, and I don't need to know record scale. Rick is, no, no, they have to meet a longevity standard to even be. It can't be a flash in the pan, but they, they have at least the span of time that Rod Stewart had. And then someone that would be prominent that you would say, no, I would say he's better than Rod Stewart. I would say, how about I give him to you because you're not doing well. We're, you're not going to put Elton John behind him. Okay, yeah, but but Elton John's too big. I tell you what, I'll give you somebody and you say above or below Rod Stewart, okay? And and now this doesn't go with anything I've ranked before. Billy Joel, you're stupid. You're not a fan of it. Oh, this is that little hipster thing of he sold too many albums. All right, this this game is not working out for me. No, you're you're just being stupid now. If you put Billy Joel below Rod Stewart, you're joking. Billy Joel is great. You know the problem. Klosterman has a chapter. <laughs> you shut up, or I'll start talking about the George Jones book. Klosterman has a chapter on why Billy Joel is not appreciated, and it is because, and Garth Brooks, is because they sold too many records. And if you sell too many records, the critics think, well, you can't actually be good because the public doesn't know anything. I have to go with Elvis Costello because people don't know or appreciate him, and that makes me better than everybody. I'm done with you on this game, Ramon. You ruined it for me. You ruined my whole juju today. Bernie Sanders is now fundraising to defeat Debbie Wasserman Schultz in her primary. 
Earlier this week, Sanders sent out an email to supporters asking them to donate to Tim Canova, the law professor who's trying to unseat Wasserman Schultz in the August 30th primary. In the email, Sanders hammered Wasserman Schultz over leaked DNC emails that showed officials plotting to undermine his campaign. Sanders wrote, quote, the recent emails leaked from Democrat Party staff showed that under Wasserman Schultz, DNC staff were not exactly fair and even-minded during the presidential primary. Electing Tim will send a strong message to the Democrat establishment about what this party should stand for. Much like in our campaign for president, Tim started off as a major underdog in this race, battling a well-known and well-established person who was the chairman of the Democrat Party. A recent poll shows Canova trailing Wasserman Schultz by eight. Wouldn't that be great if Bernie was able to beat her? By the way, has anybody stopped to ask what Bernie is doing since he lost in the primary? Hello, Bernie Santos here. As you recall, up until about a month ago, I was second in line to become the Democratic nominee for president. However, thanks to that snaggletooth, bird-faced Debbie Wasserman Schultz, I now have been reduced to a common working man. After much reflection and a steady regimen of ginkgo biloba, I was able to mentally recover and grab a job as a beach maintenance worker here at Rockaway Beach in New York. I'm basically an overpaid beachcomber. It's honestly not that bad of a job if you don't mind the occasional prick from a hypodermic needle or the increased risk of developing melanoma. On a positive note, the manager of the snack shack allows me to take advantage of as many sun chips and seltzer water as I want, and I get my choice of sunscreen at half off. My wife says this job is good for me and gives me purpose. It also keeps me out of confrontations with the neighborhood kids. Hey, Bernie Sanders, are you working in there? I'm not paying you to talk all day. Well, I better be running along now, or else my well-tanned, ill-tempered supervisor will be on my ass like schmutz on a knish. Hey, Bernie, get back to work now! I'm coming, Fernando, you greased-up wop. God, I wish somebody would kill me now. Let's go surfing now. Everybody's learning how. Come on a safari with me. If you don't do what Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram say, then you are immoral. Three months before the election, and Hannity's already admitting they're going to lose. So sad. Is it time now for Republicans who refuse to endorse Donald Trump? Are they now sabotaging his campaign? Because if they continue to do what they're doing and Hillary Clinton wins, will they be responsible for supporting Hillary Clinton's radical left-wing agenda? Now, these are the people I'm talking about. Time to name names. Bill Kristol, former Governor Mitt Romney, Susan, Susan Collins, Jeb Bush, Ted Cruz, Ben Sass, Lindsey Graham, Meg Whitman, and many, many others. Well, they're clearly uh, cheerleading Hillary Clinton. There's no doubt about it, Sean. Uh, the senators like Susan Collins and so forth who aren't officially endorsing Hillary Clinton really are without explicitly doing so. And if you call yourself a conservative and a Republican, it's actually immoral not to vote for Donald Trump, if only for the reason of the Supreme Court. Hmm. She gives a pretty glowing endorsement, doesn't she? 
You don't have to like the guy at all. Nobody does. But the Supreme Court. This is a woman you'll remember who first supported Herman Cain and then Chris Christie and then Mitt Romney in all three claiming it was her favorite candidate of all time. What an embarrassment. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Michael Berry Show. Michael Berry. What's the matter with the clothes I'm wearing? Can't you tell that your tie's too wide? Maybe I should buy some old tab collars. Welcome back to the age of jive. Where have you been hiding out lately, honey? You can't dress as flashy till you spend a lot of money. Everybody's talking about the new sound. Funny, but it's still rock and roll to me. What's the matter with the car I'm driving? Can't you tell that it's out of We got to the root of this problem. Ramon saw some idiot playing Piano Man at a karaoke bar one night and that ruined Piano Man and thus Billy Joel. First of all, it's a great story behind how the song came to be. Okay, let's start there. Number two, what an irony that a guy is playing at a cheap, tawdry piano bar for pennies and tips when he writes, records, and performs. Well, writes and performs, later records, because he couldn't record at the time. One of the ten most popular songs of the last 30 years. That's not an exaggeration. No, I'm not dialing it back. It's one of the ten most popular pop songs of the last 30 years. How are you going to say it's not? Uh, 86, maybe 35 years. Was it? Well, there you go, in the 70s. 40 years. Is it really? 
All right, 73. So in the last 43 years. I'll tell you this, Mr. Big Shot. This song is bigger than all but maybe two U2 songs. Put that in your bank account. Do what you want. I don't care. Walk anywhere you want. Make your statements. You tell me a song. Get Get out of my studio. Go. Be gone with you. You show me. You you show me two songs. Ramon's lost his mind. I apologize, y'all. You show me two songs. Two songs. Uh, no, you, for my point, I guess you'd have to make it three. Show me three songs that are bigger than Piano Man. I, yeah, I'm good. Uh, by you two. I was willing to grant you two you two songs, and I couldn't even think of it. Okay, go ahead, mister. What are they? I don't, with or without you, that... All right, Nameless Streets is not one, first of all. Still haven't found... All right, how, how do you want to measure one versus the other one? Go ahead. Well, you're saying th- those three songs, which would disprove my point, are bigger than Piano Man, right? How, bigger by what? Commercial sales? They're bigger... They're, whoa, whoa. They're, they're bigger by commercial sales? How much you want to bet right now? Go 2,000. I don't care. No, we're not going to bid because I don't have to bid. All right, so there's your somebody. Sandy will know this within ten minutes, with or without you. Nameless streets, and still haven't, still haven't looking. That's just how I wrote them down. Um, we will compare. All three of those have to have total gross sales above Billy Joel. You just lost. I'll tell you that right now. You just lost. Your inability. See, this is what bothers me with hipsters. Some things are actually good and also they have artistic merit and they also happen to have been picked up by the public. This song right here, hey, this song right here stands the test of time. It is as timeless today. Tell, it ought to tell you something that I thought it could have been 10 years later. It's not trapped in any era the way disco or what we would call classic rock is. That's Joel's problem is that uh, his song was too well-received commercially, and now it's thought that he's not an artist. That, that, that's what this is all about. <laughs> all right, back to... Did you see this story, Ramon? Um, well, I don't have time to go through it. This woman in Pearland is very upset with the school because her little boy thinks he's a girl, and um, she's demanding that the school... Uh, buy into it. When did it have to be the case that our schools have to be laboratories? What whatever happened to them actually serving the function that we all believed before was their function? What, what whatever happened to that? Hey, why did John Sanders die? I just turned on the uh, Saunders. Why, I, I just turned on the TV last night. And they were uh, they were talking about John Saunders dying. I don't know why. Hannah Storm announcing. Welcome back to Rio. I have some shocking and sad news to report to you. Our generous and talented and beloved colleague John Saunders has died. John is one of the most familiar on-air faces at ESPN. You know him. He has been at ESPN for nearly 30 years. 
covering college football, basketball, the NHL, in addition, of course, to co-hosting this program, SportsCenter, and most recently a fixture on the Sports Reporters. Born in Canada, Saunders was an all-star defenseman in the Junior Hockey Leagues in Montreal before becoming one of the most prominent broadcasters of our day. Also a founding board member of the Jimmy V Foundation, such a critical part of John's legacy and the difference that he has made in this world, all the work that he has done for cancer research and that foundation named for his longtime college basketball partner. John Saunders was 61 years old. Uh, John is survived by his wife, Wanda, his two daughters, Aaliyah and Jenna. And our sympathy, love and support goes out to all of those who loved and respected our colleague, John Saunders. I think everybody makes a bigger deal out of somebody they work with than they do just somebody out there in the public. Saunders was never a major personality on the network the way a Chris Berman is. But he had such kind of quiet strength. I, I, uh, he's a guy that I never would have mentioned being on the air because you almost didn't notice him. But when you think of a career as a broadcaster and everything that means, so many people are really just famous person uh, offering perspective and personal uh, stories and anecdotes from their playing days, but they're not really broadcasters. When you think of a pure broadcaster, that's John Saunders. Am I all right, Ramon? Plus, he was black. You get extra credit if you, you always if you compliment a black guy, it makes you a good person. So I try to, if I can, I try to work that in ever so often. Do you, Ramon? Ramon, tell me one of your favorite non-sports, non-athlete black people that's in public life in America today, just to round out the compliments. Peter Mays is... Try, try again. Ha! You don't know one! It's that time. Lock and load. The Michael Berry Show is on the air. so bad for Ramon. So, you know, the question was, Ramon was running down Billy Joel because some fat, disgusting guy was playing a bad rendition of Billy Joel's The Piano Man in a karaoke bar one night, which, by the way, is there a more authentically perfect karaoke song than Piano Man? Exactly. So Ramon said, Billy Joel doesn't know how to sing. or so. I can't remember what he said, but I said, just to recall for those just joining the show, I made the point, well, you just don't like Billy Joel because of his commercial success, which is a typical hipster behavior. 
Anything that other people like necessarily has to be bad and beneath me because I'm so much better than the matting crowd. So I made the point that Piano Man, there may only be two U2 songs. And frankly, I was just being generous. There may only be two U2 songs that have more sales than Billy Joel's Piano Man. Well, we haven't dug out individual sales, but we did. We did do this. We pulled a uh, producer, Craig Lavati, actually pulled a list of Recording Industry Association of America's top-selling albums of all time. Only two have hit twenty-nine million: "Thriller" by Michael Jackson, "The Eagles," their greatest hits. That's twenty-nine. Then there are three that have crossed twenty-three million: "Billy Joel," greatest hits, "Pink Floyd." The Wall, Led Zeppelin Four, Led Zeppelin. You heard of all three of those? Okay. So then beneath that, Back in Black, ACDC. I'm surprised they're that high because I see them as a little more niche than quite as mainstream, but good for them. 21 million, Double Live, Garth Brooks. 20 million, Come On Over, Shania Twain. Okay. Uh, 19 million, The Beatles. And Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. Then at 18 million, Appetite for Destruction, GNR. 17 million, The Beatles, 67 to 70. The Bodyguard soundtrack, Boston, and No Fences, Garth Brooks. I'm trying to find you two on here. This is Greatest Sales of All Time. Physical Graffiti by Led Zeppelin. Greatest Hits, Elton John. Hotel California, eight, uh, 16 million. Cracked Rear View, Ho- Hootie and the Blowfish. Metallica, Jagged Little Pill. We're all the way down to 15 million, and Billy Joel has 23. This is awkward. Okay. Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, Bee Gees, Saturday Night Fever, Springsteen, Born in the USA, The Beatles, 6266, Greatest Hits, Journey, and Santana Supernatural. Now we're down to 14 million. Simon and Garfunkel, Britney Spears, Meat Loaf, Backstreet Boys, Garth Brooks. Still, maybe they forgot to put you two on here. Pearl Jam, 10. Uh, Purple Rain, Steve Miller's Greatest Hits, Backstreet Boys Millennium, uh, Bruce Springsteen, Whitney Houston. Okay, now we're down to 12 million. Now we're down to half what Billy Joel. Should I could, I'm not sure they're even on here. Here's 12 million. No, they're not on there. Dixie, Dixie Chicks, Matchbox 20, Rolling Stones, Def Leppard, Kenny G. Surely Kenny G doesn't have greater album sales than U2. That would be awkward, except it's true. Now we're to Shania Twain. Shania Twain's second album is above 10 million, and we still know U2's not even at 10. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at Chumba ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. 
And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Let's see, Aerosmith, Outcast. And remember, Billy Joel was at $23 million. This is really odd. NSYNC, Adele, Notorious B.I. Biggie's more bigger than them? Oh, here's Billy Joel's second album, The Stranger. Oh, wow. This is really... Oh, and here we are all the way down at less than half. 40% where Billy Joel's was, and he has another one ahead of them as well, The Joshua Tree, you too. Hmm. Ramon, how do you respond to this? Elvis's Christmas album sold more than they did. So there's there's that. That must be awkward. It, it should never argue with me, Ramon, on things that can um, that can be verified. Just just a point. Just a point. How much time do you want me to devote to Billy Joel? Because Billy Joel is a great body of work. It's a fantastic. Think about up, uh, uh, Uptown Girls, right? Think about Allentown. I mean, here's a here's a working man song. Here is a song about. People in in a still mill old working town, Ramon. Just think about that. You Catholic girls start much too young. Think of all the great lines. Okay, all right. Well, you weren't exposed to timeless things, as I can see. Buck, you go ahead, sir. Buck. Yes. Hello, Michael. Yeah. Uh, I got a funny Rod Stewart story. In 1986, uh, my career had us in Indianapolis, Indiana, and winters there are brutal. And my twin boys had a little friend who was a girl that lived in the neighbor behind, neighborhood behind us. And one Sunday, their mother called and asked my wife, said, "Could your little boys come over and play with Katie uh, on Sunday because we've got family members coming?" And sometimes they're a little boorish, and it'd be good for Katie to be, you know, distracted. Well, it didn't register on my name that Katie's last name was Hunter. And, indeed, her relative was from New Zealand or Australia. And it wasn't until afterwards that we got the call back, and they said, we would have paid your children big money to say this. But as they walked in, there stands Rod Stewart and Rachel Hunter. I was upset I wasn't invited. And... One of my little twin boys was introduced to Miss Hunter and said, hi, nice to meet you. How are you? And Mr. Stewart, hi, nice to meet you. How are you? The second, more loquacious twin uh, introduced himself to Miss Hunter and then shook Rod Stewart's hand and, and stood there like part of the adults and said, uh, what do you do for a living? To which Rod Stewart <laughs> said, well, I'm a, I'm a singer. And to which the little boy said, oh, really? He said, uh, what, what are some of your songs? And Rod Stewart started recounting them, to which the little boy said, I listen to a lot of music. You must not be very good. I hadn't heard of any of them. <laughs> well, to that little boy, it's like Ramon. If he doesn't know anybody's good, he thinks they're not good. He doesn't He doesn't know what he doesn't know. Can, can we just leave it at that, Ramon? Can we just leave it at she doesn't know, he doesn't know what he doesn't know? Ramon, I was trying to find... For you, that was I was going to smear it in a little. Ramon's latest retort is that um, U2 sold 25 million uh, albums, even though the industry claims they sold 10. It is, bless your heart. I don't know how you come up with any of this stuff. I, I 
I just don't quite understand it. But that's all right. That's all right. All right, the phone lines are open, 713-212-5874. Another five states this fall will vote on whether to legalize marijuana for recreational use. Another four states will consider medical marijuana. There's going to come a day, Ramon, within the next 10 years that virtually the United States, the entirety of the United States, is going to legalize marijuana. And people are going to look back and giggle and go, yeah, just like Prohibition, there was a time we sent people to jail for that. Can you imagine? I admit I don't know much about you two, but so just asking, is this one of the songs that Apple buried on the phone when you bought it? And even though they gave it to you free, people were still mad about it. Was this on that album? The the give it away free strategy? No? Okay, I didn't know. Stop playing stuff that I don't play. And America has constantly been on the side of what's right. Because when it comes down to it, this is about keeping faith with the idea of America. Because America's an idea, isn't it? I mean, Ireland's a great country, but it's not an idea. Great Britain's a great country. It's not an idea. That's how we see you around the world as one of the greatest ideas in human history, right up there with the Renaissance, right up there with crop rotation on the Beatles' White Album. <laughs> the idea, the American idea, it's an idea. The idea is that you and me are created equal. It will ensure that an economic recession need not become an equality recession. The idea that life is not meant to be endured but enjoyed the idea that if we have dignity, if we have justice, then leave it to us. We'll do the rest. This country was the first to claw its way out of darkness and put that on paper. And God love you for it because there aren't, these aren't just American ideas anymore. There's no copyright on them. You brought them into the world. It's a wide world now. I know Americans say they have a bit of the world in them, and you do. The family tree has lots of branches. But the thing is, the world has a bit of America in it too. These truths, your truths, they're self-evident in us. I confess that is a brilliant speech. But they never banned Christy Brinkley. Let's get that straight. Another five states in the fall deciding on whether to legalize marijuana for recreational use, and another four will consider medical marijuana. Voters in Arizona, California, Maine, Massachusetts, and Nevada will decide whether to legalize weed, while voters in Arkansas, Florida, Montana, and Missouri will decide whether to allow doctors to prescribe marijuana 
for medicinal use. What kind of backwards Muslim caliphate kind of Americans would believe that we should not allow marijuana for medical use? What kind of person is sitting in their living room glued to Fox News? You walk in their house and before they can even say hello, them Democrats going to get us, the Mexicans, African Keller Bays, the Bola, Zika. I saw it on Alex Jones. I saw it. It's all coming to get us. The end is near. We're not going to make it. They're all going to get us. It's all going to hell in a handbasket. And says to themselves, and you, oh, there's a drug out there? They could help a person in their di- in their last three months. They could help a person that's in such excruciating pain that they want to take their own life. There, there is a drug out there that is easily available, that has been proven to ele- to alleviate pain and suffering. There's a drug out there that multiple studies have now shown that when a veteran comes home from combat, severely wounded suffering mentally can help treat him and give him quality of life? Well, don't let him because he's going to be on that dope. What kind of person does that? Most of these people who are opposing marijuana, let's make it easy. Let's stick with medical marijuana for just a moment. Most of those people have never taken it in any form Never. They've never been in the room where it was. They have no idea what kind of effects it has mentally or physically. They don't understand what THC is or cannabinoids or uh, addictive or non-addictive qualities. They don't understand how many doctors already prescribe it and very well may use it, they don't care. They do not care. They live in a world of fear, and they are irrational. You cannot reason with them. And that's who's voting. Little old ladies, I don't want that dope. They'll all be on the dope. But that has nothing to do with anything. They don't care. They honestly do not care. None of that matters. That's sad and pitiful. Hi, Michael. It's Tom again. Man, I love your show so much. It is the best show ever, and I appreciate how you have been backing your claws out of Trump's back lately. It reminds me on a daily basis that you are more closer than ever to fully ringing endorsement of a certain somebody named Donald J. Trump. It's like Phil Collins said, I can feel it coming in the air tonight, and then there's that huge drum fill. Man, I love that song. It gets me so fired up. Hey, Michael, not voting for Trump is the same as voting for Hillary, and you should vote for him if for no other reason than he will enumerate conservative court justices. Hey, are you watching the Olympics? First off, Michael Phelps is a fish. 
That dude is Aquaman. What a freak. He got more gold medals than most countries. Um, one question I got about the Olympics, though. What happened to all the real countries? Used to be it was like USA, Great Britain, and China, and Persia, Nigeria, and all other like real countries. Now there's stuff straight out of like a George R.R. R. Tolkien novel. Uh, Burundi and Tuvalu and um, Tamora Leste. Those aren't real countries. You take me for a fool? Those places are fake and a half. Um, oh, hey, big shout out to Iraq, Iran, and Syria, who all suck butt at every event. Um, I got an idea on making Olympics better. First off, get rid of anything on a bicycle. Those are the stupidest event ever. Bicycles are made for kids to jump curbs and ride to a convenience store, not grown men ride around and sweat. And by the way, bicycle helmets and hand signals are super stupid. Um, they need to get rid of bicycle and replace it with something awesome like washers. And Texas would smoke the rest of the world because we are great washers players. Um, my favorite event to watch is obviously women's volleyball on their beach or in a gym because those chicks are smoking hot and are in a constant state of double-sided wedgies, and I really like watching them play volleyball. Um, I could watch it every single day. Hey, did you see that women are competing wearing hijab and scarves and stuff now? How dumb is that? I want to see a Syrian women swimmer doing like butterfly stroke wearing a big-ass black beekeeper costume, and they'd fire the starting pistol, and she'd just like fall in the water and flail around and sink to the bottom and a lifeguard would have to rescue her. Hey, man, my third most favorite uh, Olympic memory of all time was when USA beat Russia in ice soccer. That's what I call hockey is uh, ice soccer. And that was in 1980 in the Miracle on Ice. Man, it made me proud to be an American as if I needed any help. But still, that was great. And those Ruskies were pissed when it was over. And it was like real life Rocky IV with Ivan Drago and all that. All I know is that as soon as we beat them in ice soccer, we never looked back. And you blink your eyes and Ronald Reagan, greatest president ever, was all, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, hey, speaking of walls, are you at least a little excited about the Great Wall of America that Donald J. Trump is going to build? I mean, for real, it's going to be historical and we're going to be there to see it. Um, remember that joke of why does Mexico suck at olympic -ing? Um because everyone that can run, jump, or swim is already in the USA. But once that wall's up, I guess Mexico's going to start being good at Olympics again. Because to date, they have a whopping 13 gold medals, way lesser than our Aquaman, and they are terrible at the Olympics. Um, dude, Michael, please say who's there, because this knock-knock joke I've been saving for you is the funnier than midgets trying to dunk a basketball. I promise you, you're going to laugh so hard, you're going to spit milk out of your nose. So please, pretty super, please sugar on top, like a gallon of Michaelberry moonshine. It rhymes with moose hair. Say who's there. It's so easy. Knock, knock. Have a blessed day. Hello. The Michael Berry Show continues. Can't see nothing in front of me. Can't see nothing coming up behind. Make my way through this darkness. I can't feel nothing but this chain that binds me. Lost track of how far I've gone. Far gone, how high I've climbed. On my back's a 
in your mind, Ramon, whose artistry do you appreciate more between Bruce Springsteen and you two? You two? Who's had a greater impact? On whatever, just accept the question and answer it. <laughs> you know, you're having a bad day. Let's just leave it at that. Let's just leave it at that. Bob, you're up. Go ahead, bud. I've got a suggestion about this discussion on uh, marijuana, and, okay. and if we would separate the the CBD from the THC components and talk about the positives of CBD versus, you know, the, the psychoactive uh, portion of THC, maybe we, people would start to understand, but you've got to educate people about this stuff and just not lump everything under one term that says, oh, you know, it's, it's ma- marijuana. I mean, even people don't dis- – they, they cannot tell a difference between the term marijuana and medical marijuana. It means nothing to the average person, all right? If you split the, the discussion and say, there, and you uh, take out the, the CBD portion and the fact that that's, that's uh, positive and it helps people with epilepsy or with uh, other sorts of medical conditions, then people will start to understand that that's different from the psychoactive portion of of the, the, the cannabis plant. Yes, that is technically correct. Uh, but I want to win the entire argument. If someone wants to use a psychoactive drug like THC in marijuana, tell me why we should prohibit them from doing that. You know, it, it really, having used it before and, and having spent two years in Vietnam where you were definitely exposed to it all the time, um, you know, it, it's really an, an individual thing, and, and I understand what you're saying, but sometimes you have to take baby steps for, for, the, for the general public, not, not the educated public, but the general public to start to understand, all right, gee, maybe there's a good portion to this. All right, maybe I ought to look at the rest of it and say, you know, what are the pluses and what are the minuses? But if, if you try and, and if you try and eat the whole elephant at once, uh, it, it's going to be a much harder uphill climb than to try and split this thing and you take baby steps and you educate people a little at a time and say, all right, here's, you know, if, if you've got a, a, a nephew or, or a son with uh, this sort of condition, this can help them then that opens the door to people to say, well, gee, maybe it's not all bad, right? I agree. I'm of two minds, and I'll tell you why. One theory is you do this incrementally. The more people that smoke marijuana, the more people that are exposed to marijuana, even if only for the cannabinoid uh, uh, elements of it, which are medicinal in nature, or however they deliver it, smoking or not, it's not, not the point. It could be oils. It could be all sorts of things, as you know. Um, And you say, well, you get there incrementally because once people are exposed to things, then they're then then it's the fear of the unknown that keeps marijuana illegal in this country. It's the fear of the unknown because because the United States government with a 27 year old DEA 
uh, director who wanted to be J. Edgar Hoover when he grew up, created this Reefer Madness uh, movie, and then you had the Just Say No and all these things, and all of them were clumped together in the war on drugs, and they couldn't just convince you, hey, how about you not do this? It's not good for you. They had to convince you that, that you would become a zombie and kill everyone. So there's that theory. You you incrementally get there and, and you show people that what they thought was not actually true. Flip side is, why not win? Why not strike while the iron is hot? There is a steady move across the country. Do you go medical marijuana and continue to deprive people of their freedoms until the point that you hope you can muster support for a second fight? Or do you win the fight and be done with it? Because I think you're at a point where you can. So as as the population ages in this country and that older population equates marijuana or the term marijuana with, oh, you know, the the hippies and the stoners and and Haight-Ashbury and everything else, that immediately they're turned off. So I, I understand what you're saying, and I'm not sure what the right direction is, but I'm just saying, you know, maybe there's... Uh, maybe we ought to try something different rather than than try and eat the whole elephant here. But whether you want to, whatever strategy you want to call that, the trend across the country is to stop criminalizing the use of marijuana, and it's winning almost everywhere. I mean, they're smoking marijuana in Alaska. Colorado stepped out and led, and they showed that you can. You can do this very successfully. Uh, Oregon went from you could possess it to now you can grow your own. And they've had very good results with this. Um, I mean, you, you, we're, we're arguing over tactics, and as we should. That, that's the beauty of public policy. But I think we need to go back. My problem is when we start arguing over whether marijuana is good or bad, now we're trying to pass a piece of legislation or alter a policy, but we're not doing what we should always be doing, which is going back to our core values, determining what exactly it is we stand for, and then running it through that filter. We stand for freedom. We stand for the freedom to get a tattoo. When you start arguing over, are tattoos bad for you? Will you regret them later? How much ink is going into the body? Is this a healthy thing to do? Are you better off or worse off for getting a tattoo? And someone says, well, 19 people per year in our state will get an infection and lose the limb. Okay, let's balance that against the very reason our country exists, which is the freedom to make decisions for yourself. But if we can save one person, no. If we could save one person, we wouldn't let you drive or eat food or eat chocolate or walk downstairs or cross the street. We should be standing for the bigger. It's not whether marijuana is good or bad for you or you like it or you won't kill people. It's about freedom. The Michael Berry Show.
Joe in the Woodlands, you're up. How you doing, Michael? Good. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay. Um, I live in the Woodlands, and um, I'm a 52-year-old white male professional. 5'2 uh, or 6'2? I didn't hear the first number. 5'2. Uh, 52, okay. Yes, sir. Oh, well, and, uh, sounds, all right, how tall? 5'11. <laughs> Weight? Uh, 180. Real weight? 175. (laughs) (laughs) What do you do for a living? Uh, I sell piping systems to industrial plants. Outside sales? Yes, sir. How do you get to the procurement guy or the buyer that you need? I start at the plant manager, and then I work myself down to the, uh, the MRO facility maintenance manager. What's MRO? Maintenance, repair, and operation. And he's the decision maker. Yes, sir. Typically. How do you start at the plant manager point? How do you get? How do you get his attention? Well, we have reports that are sent to us called industrial resource, uh, and it's just a it's a company that sends us leads, and then we follow up with them. So he's being he's being called on all day, every day. How do you get him to answer your call? Well, I start with a, a voicemail. And said, I'd like, I'd like to have a brief meeting with you at your convenience. And then I send them a, an email or a, I do have all his information on this report. So I can text them. I can do just about anything. Give me the three most effective ways to get face-to-face with somebody that you want to sell something to that's being called on all day. Well, when I talk to them, I'm a, I'm a system solution provider, meaning these plants have all kinds of problems in there with pipe erosion, corrosion, and I go in there and I try to solve problems for them quickly um, without right. well. But he's, he's heard it all. Why does he take your call? Well, it's my product, which I can't tell you the name of it. <laughs> all right. Will he know the name of your product when he picks yes. up the phone? Yes, he would. Yes. So he's already predisposed to that product? Yes, sir. Why is he not already a customer? Because it's a, it's a unique product. Um, most plants typically weld or they thread stuff in there, and this is a, a totally different connection system. All right, but does he know that already? Typically, I kind of explain it briefly in the email when I when I email him. But he's got so many other people claiming their product is new and unique, and mm-hmm. they provide solutions and better mm-hmm. customer service, and mm-hmm. the industry is going crazy, and nobody has anything like this. You're still not telling me how you get in the door. You're telling me what you tell him. Right. But tell me that thing that when you when you look back and deconstruct that entire sale from from mm-hmm. prospect to closing, there had to be something you did. Well, it's labor savings. It's what? Labor savings, meaning it saves them labor and time. It says because remember, you're talking about an industrial plant where they have... Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welders that are $100 an hour. This product can be installed in, in less than 10 seconds on, on, uh, with my tools. Well, you're not Billy Mays, but you have intrigued me. <laughs> I have met you before, too, by the way. I Where? met you at uh, Cadillac Bar and Grill. On Shepherd? Yes, sir. Oh. Was I drunk? No. Okay, good. Because no. I never have been, and I'm never going to be. <laughs> no, you were very kind and very professional. Was I given a speech? Uh, yes, you were. Oh, okay. Very interesting. Um, all right. All right. So what? how much do you make doing that? I make almost six figures a year. And how long have you been doing this? Uh, 20. Well, I've been with this company about eight years. I've been in the industry over 25. Interesting. All right. What did you call about, my man? Okay. I'm a, I'm a hepatitis C uh, patient. I've had it for over 15 years. I got it. Don't know how I got it. Dirty um, needles? No, no, sir. I was over in the Orient. I was over in China. Booty sex will do it. Yeah, we don't. I don't know, to be honest with you. But miracle marijuana is not allowed in the state of Texas. Right. There is research. If you go on with hep C patients and you do some research, marijuana helps hepatitis C patients with stress, a lot of different things. But Sir, are you are you? We we do now have a medical marijuana provision. It just may not capture you. Well, they told me I was not accessible to it. Keep in mind, this was four years ago, five years ago. When I, was I, I think you're wrong, and I'll tell you why. I hope you're wrong because yeah. I hope you can get help. But uh-huh. there is there was a law in that I believe was passed in the last legislative session. It's a biennial session, so. It, really? It, it's every two years. Uh, okay. But yeah, and the, there was a guy who came forward. He was in a wheelchair. He was in bad shape, and I think he had MS. Uh-huh. It might have been MD, but I think it was MS. Uh-huh. And he had been using it, and he declared he'd been using it. And he based he he walked through his two. The thrusts of his argument were. Number one, this is very difficult to get. I have to behave like a criminal in order to get uh, this product, which, you know, I shouldn't have to do that. And number two, the efficacy is beyond question. It makes my life better. It reduces my pain and suffering, and it makes my life better. And, it you know, look, Texas was ready. Greg Mm -hmm. Abbott was ready to do something Mm because you look like an idiot when you're telling people with severe conditions – Yep. No, you can't have your pain meds because mm-hmm. dope is evil. Yep. So I want yep. you to go back and check on that. But go ahead, finish your point. I will. Well, of course, the treatment was, I'm sure you're aware of interferon and, yes. and fibrin. I had to put needles in my legs every other day and, and do injections, and it was painful. But I had to sneak around like a criminal to get marijuana because I smoked it during the treatment because it made me feel better. But... I'm really struggling with, I'm a professional, I'm a Christian, I do everything legally, I try to do everything right, but when it came to this treatment, I had to crawl around like a criminal to get marijuana so I could smoke it. And 15 years later, I am totally clear of the virus. 
I, I go in every other year and I get tested, and I have no signs of it. And I am one of the few where it actually and completely cured is what they're saying. I still have the dormant virus in me, but I don't. They they don't show it and my blood work anymore. So what I'm trying to, where I'm going with this is that marijuana helped me through my treatment, but I had to act like a criminal to get through it. Yeah, that's, the state see, I'm not proud of that. There are things about the Republican Party, the anti-gambling, the anti-marijuana for recreational use. There are some, the blue laws. There's some over-the-top, a handful of people are pushing the agenda, and it makes us look out of touch to everyone else, and we need to stop it. It's that time. Lock and load. The Michael Berry Show is on the air. Black Lives Matter, Ramon. Remember that. Your craziest mugshots of the week. They're now up at michaelberry.com. Authorities searching for possible human trafficking victims in Montgomery County near Washington, D.C. After a teenage girl told investigators a couple forced her to have sex with an estimated 288 people at a Silver Spring hotel, according to the Popo. Police charged the pair, identified as Atuan Saran Rogers, but known uh, on the street as Rose Moe, 34, and Diera, Diera Victoria Lee Thomas, 19, known on the street as Iyer, both of the 100 block of Lamarck Drive in Fort Washington with prostitution offenses. Detectives said in court files that the teen worked for the two for about two and a half months, they are concerned the duo may have engaged in human trafficking of other juveniles. Authorities say the couple approached the teenager while she was at a hotel with friends. Shortly after that, Popo said in arrest files, she met the pair at a Silver Spring hotel and began working as a prostitute for two and a half months. According to a charging document, the teen told the Popo that after being approached by the pair, she made follow-up contact with them by phone and through Thomas's Instagram account, and said they encouraged her to leave home on October 25, 2015. The teen told detectives that Rogers, also known as Rose Moe, worked as a pimp for 15 years, used a website to post prostitution advertisements with fake photos, and charged 100 to 200 for sex acts, the charging document said. During the months she worked for the couple, the teen told the popo she worked three to four days a week and was forced to have sex with about 8 to 10 people a day. While she worked for Rose Moe, the teenager told authorities, she was told to give Rogers the passcode to her phone, had no access to money, and was hit in the face when she said she did not want to have sex anymore. Detectives found the online advertisements and discovered that Rogers rented rooms at a 13th Street hotel. Thomas was arrested on July 11th, and Rogers was arrested July 29th. They were charged with human trafficking. They were held on an $80,000 bond. Wow. The girl was released for 5000 but the big fella. The DEA is expected to make a big announcement 
about marijuana today. No one is quite sure what the announcement will be, but sales of Totino's pizza rolls have exploded in anticipation. Marijuana has been fully legalized for recreational use in Colorado and Washington State and legalized for medicinal use in over a dozen others. The federal government still categorizes it as a Schedule I narcotic. I have had veterans tell me uh, that they got out, they got back from Iraq and Afghanistan and were handed so many pills that they couldn't think straight. We talked to uh, David French of National Review, you'll remember, a few weeks ago, and he talked about all the drugs they put him on when he came home, all these prescription drugs. The one thing they couldn't give them was marijuana because it's illegal. They can fill them full of drugs that have had a history of leaving their recipients dead, often at their own hands, but they can't dare give them marijuana because that's dope and not dope in a good way. The fact that we can stand by knowing that this is happening, knowing that, for instance, our soldiers, our Marines, our sailors, our airmen are coming home suffering mentally and physically, the fact that we have reports showing that veterans do well with marijuana treatment, much better than with the prescription pills that leave them in a really bad way. The fact that our government is doing what we know is harmful to these veterans and not doing what we have found is helpful because, well, we don't want to question or challenge notions that people have when we know those notions are wrong. You wonder how societies stand back and look on while something terrible happens and don't do anything about it? And you think to yourself that you would? No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Leaked medical records suggest that Hillary Clinton shows signs of dementia and serious illness. Right after the name of Hillary Clinton's physician appeared in the news, suspect medical records attributed to that doctor were leaked online. On 8 August 2016, a new Twitter account titled Hills Med Records appeared and published what the user behind the account claimed were leaked medical records attesting to the poor health of Hillary Clinton. The account was quickly deleted by its owner, but screenshots of the purported records continued circulating on Twitter, allegedly showing documents prepared by Dr. Lisa Bardak on 5 Feb and 20 March 2014. According to these alleged medical docs, Hillary Clinton was diagnosed with early-onset subcortical vascular dementia in 2018 and subsequent doctor visits suggested the condition was worsening. Additionally, the records noted that Clinton suffered intensified complex partial seizures between 2013 and 2014. Is that true? I don't know. There are people who will go to great lengths and establish elaborate, um, authentic-appearing documents that make it up out of whole cloth. Does she stumble going up and down stairs and entering doors? Has she had seizures or some seizure-like episode? Yes. Yes to all of the above. Is her health a valid question as she approaches a point where she could be our next president? It certainly is. It certainly is. 
It's not a legal question. It's a political question. But Democrats and the media will not ask it. It must be asks, asked. I don't believe Barack Obama's daughter's behavior is an issue for public discussion. I think it is crass that media outlets are so eager to report that his daughter was seen apparently smoking marijuana. What business of ours is that? I find it distasteful and disturbing on a deep level that Americans, many Americans believe that if you enter public life, you belong to them, that you are no longer a human being. Here is a young lady who by no choice of her own has been placed in the public eye. She cannot go anywhere without a camera being placed upon her and beamed to the world. And I know, I know, people that are celebrities are so coveted in a sick, disgusting, fetishistic way by most of the American people that they're not about to give up their play toy. You belong to us in anything you ever do. We get to rifle through your private life because we have no lives. We do nothing that's interesting enough that anyone else would actually care. We live through you because we are hollow, vacant human beings who seek nothing more than to touch the hand of a celebrity. You're a celebrity. You don't get to choose not to be. We get to tear you apart and see what's deep down inside you. That's pitiful. It's sad. And we shouldn't do it. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Michael Berry Show. The Michael Berry Show. Disappointing announcement that uh, they will continue. They will reject the pleas of many to decriminalize marijuana. That should come from the United States Congress, but that statement should be made very clear. There is evidence, there is theory, there is opinion, um, there is user experience, medical experience. We're continuing to imprison people for something that is purely irrational. I sometimes wonder when we, many of the policies in this country, the majority of people know that they're wrong. 
The experts know that they're wrong. The people in the field know that they're wrong. There are police officers who have stood up and said, this is really, really not only stupid, counterproductive. We're ruining lives over the equivalent of drinking a beer. And the only people in opposition are people who have no clue what they're talking about. We need to make a new law that the carburetor in the car needs to be attached to the passenger side mirror. Well, why? Because I'm scared. Well, but but why why would we do this? Because the devil's going to get us. This doesn't make any sense. It's going to cost a lot of money, a lot of effort. We're going to ruin people's lives that can't move their carburetor to attach it to the passenger side rear view mirror. You're for dope. You're on the dope. It's just stupid. It really is. And before you tell me whatever your reasoning is, just remember the same types of people who will hear no alternate argument and it must be illegal and you must be prosecuted. These are the same people who made sure that alcohol was prohibited. And you know, when I have this conversation, I've had people say, well, maybe it wouldn't be bad if it was today. On what logic? Well, I see a lot of people drink too much. When you hear someone say that, you understand if that person ever uses the word constitution, that's the greatest irony they could engage in. You don't know what the Constitution is, but you do know the Constitution says you ought not drink beer, huh? Well, I hadn't read it in a while, but I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure it does. Because you know, a lot of people just drink too much, Michael. They'll drink too much. So if we have to outlaw it, I mean, it'll help them. It'll be, it'll be good for them if they can't drink no alcohol. These are the same little old ladies, biddies who pushed until we got prohibition, and then they slipped off and had a nip themselves. Because the law shouldn't really apply to them. And then there are the fetishists. And I'm sorry to say some of these people are evangelical Christians. The fetishists who like to make things illegal because it's thrilling for them to do illegal things because they know they won't be caught. Everybody else will get in trouble for what everyone is doing but they won't get caught. That's how that works. That's how that works. These are the people who want to make it so that you get a DWI if you have a sip of whiskey and then drive home, if it's on your breath. These are the people who want the equivalent of martial law on our streets, which is uh, 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 stop points, checkpoints on the road. These are people who think this is a great idea. We'll have checkpoints on the road. Everybody after 11 o'clock will be pulled over. Why? Well, because my cousin's best friend had a younger sister who died uh, from a drunk driver. Oh, so we should all surrender our privacy and our liberty because somebody broke the law, and whatever they use to break the law will be a law to prevent to make everyone into a lawbreaker? Well, if it saves one life, Michael, these types of people don't deserve to live in a free, self-governing republic. Because what they will do is they will vote away their freedom and hand it to a government that's going to protect them from everything. A self-governing republic cannot handle freedom when you have this type of mentality run amok. These are the people who live in a state of fear. And I'll tell you, 
the minute you don't have fear over the dope, the minute you don't have the fear over mangy dogs, they'll create fear over swimming pools and require you to build a wall around them because a kid died when he fell into the swimming pool, so we must make laws. We must make laws to protect us from ourselves and then laws to protect us from the unintended consequences of those laws. More laws, more efforts, more activists, because white people like to be activists too, especially little old lady white people who live in constant fear and hide behind their door and peek through the, the mirror, through, peek through the hole because something bad out there is going on. It's always bad, and they steep themselves in the badness. They'll get a they'll get a um, they'll get a scanner for their house because they want to know if eighteen miles away there was a domestic dispute and one person beat the other. They got to know about it because the more fear, the better. More fear all the time. They thrive on the adrenaline of fear, which they claim they don't like. Wally, you're up. Yes, sir. I'm just a dumb old jarhead, but. Isn't marijuana a plant? Yes. <laughs> Why do keep people keep calling it a drug? Well, and what's funny is you notice they never call alcohol a drug. Yeah. I've been puzzling me for years. I've been talking to my dad about this, and I'm like, don't make any sense. I just don't. Um, people are afraid of what they don't know, and I learned quite some time ago that people enjoy fear. They they like the adrenaline they get from fear. I'll give you an example. Why do people go to an amusement park? They go to an amusement park to be put in a situation where they're frightened out of their lives. And once they've ridden that ride enough times, their body has uh, inoculated itself from, from fear. And so they're bored by that. And so they ask the amusement park, where's the bigger roller coaster? Where is the greater fear? Because this didn't frighten me, and I want to be frightened. The fear you have on a roller coaster is no different than the fear you have of drug-addled zombies. It's the same concept. It's the same chemical reaction. You are actually achieving a chemical reaction, a chemical euphoria or endorphin from the concept of, of experiencing that exact emotion. What an irony. Why do people go, why do people love Halloween? Why are there lines a mile long outside a good haunted house or a slide at a water park? Well, because people enjoy being scared. That provides a stimulant to their body, a chemical reaction, the same way that some people are able to achieve a, a runner's high or the endorphins that occur when the body reaches a certain point. I've never been able to make that happen, but my wife will tell you, and she'll tell you that she gets cranky. If she doesn't run her set amount per week, then she she feels a natural drop in serotonin or whatever the actual uh, uh, chemical reaction is, and there's an adrenaline to fear that that the body that some people's body thrives on. So their way to create and sustain that is to watch the negative news. To watch. you see these little old men or li- little? It's usually men. I meet people out in public and they go, Michael, and I'm I, I, yeah, I'm having a drink, I'm relaxing, and they'll say, Michael. I listen to you all day, and I listen to that Fox News. I get so mad, Michael. Well, we're having a drink. Why are you getting mad now? I'm so mad at what's going on. 
I bet you've always been mad at what's going on. More Michael Berry Show coming up. Angelo. Yes, sir. Who is that singing right there? Oh, God, I have no clue, Michael. <laughs> Actually, I was I was thinking of something else. I wasn't expecting you to pick up. I don't know who that is, though. Have you ever seen somebody talking to um, a Hispanic that speaks English as a second language? And they just keep repeating it. If the person can't understand, they just keep repeating it a bit louder. <laughs> what you uh, got, Bob. Angelo? Hey, Michael. Uh, I've called your show, I think, a couple of times. I and, remember, uh, yeah. I owned a tamale company here in Houston. I had it for seven years. Um, it was a USDA facility. And um, what we basically have to run off through USDA is called a HASPIS program. And so they, and, and basically a snapshot of that is a picture of how you conduct your business from start to finish. When you receive your product in to when you ship it out. And it was kind of let them know, you know, each steps that you would take. From day one, uh, when I first started this thing, I mean, it, it literally took me about three years to get everything to where they finally said, okay. We're going to give you a 90-day grant of operation, and that doesn't, you know, involve any money. It's just to to say that you've you've passed the test, you've done everything that we've asked you to do. You have 90 days to prove to us that you can do what your HASPIS program has has said it can do. So, um, what, what is that was, word? H A S H A C C P Hazard Analysis con- Critical Control Point. And, you know, um, so. Ramon, write that down. That's a good thing for us to know. H-A-C, H-A-C-C-P. C-C-P, yeah. Ramon. And and that's, you know, um, that's like the Bible of people that are are in USDA who's who's producing uh, food for uh, USDA. Um, But, and you know, with that said, everybody that walks in there, all the inspectors, they can read it and interpretate it differently from, from one. I mean, they could, two people could be sitting there and read the same thing and have different meanings that, you know, they will say that it represents. So, you know, um, it's never, I mean, to me, it was never, you could never please the inspectors with that. So I'm telling you, Michael, for four years, I had, I, I got beat up on this thing every single day. They would send different inspectors in there and just tell me that how, you know, how much my HASPIS program did not relate to my business and I needed to change things all the time. And when you start changing things, if you're not certified, you have to have a person that is certified to make all these changes. And again, you know, it costs money to do that. And so they would just beat me up on that every single day. I mean, 
for instance, this one inspector, Arturo, came in, and um, you know, I, I don't remember exactly what he didn't like, but if it's if it read something like this, put the dog or cat in room A, he didn't like that. He said he could not understand that. That I had to change. Uh, was this the, an Asian restaurant? No, it was a USDA. Uh, oh, okay. But, All right. Yeah, this is my tamale company. I mean, you know. And so basically, they just came in there and beat me up every single day for four years. And finally, I just had enough of it. And the uh, frontline supervisor who uh, was running it at the time, my district, Linda, um, I, you know, I had to call her boss and let him know what everything was going on. And I had stuff written down as far as what they said to me, what they did. And I mean, it was just a total nightmare with them. And finally, they changed the district, and they had a uh, different frontline supervisor. Uh, what was his name? Cade Acres, I think. And the very first time this guy stepped into my facility, and granted, you know, I didn't have a million-dollar facility. It was just something that I've been wanting to do since I was 13 just to get in the food business. My parents, I was raised in a restaurant business, and that was my passion, and it still is my passion. And, you know, I loved every minute of that. And um, I felt like when uh, Cade came in there, the first time I met him, he made a comment to me, which I, I just really couldn't understand why he would say that. But he made a recommendation that I should sell marijuana out of my facility. And I, I looked at him and said, what did you say? He goes, well, you should sell marijuana out of here. And I looked at Linda, and Linda just kind of like looked and turned her head. And her being a you know veteran frontline supervisor for USDA should have said something like, you know, Angelo, we don't want you to do that. We want you to continue producing, uh, uh, you know, a safe product for human consumption. And I, I just couldn't believe that he said that and i just felt like that was he was taking a shot at me you know just kind of like saying who are you you had you know look at your little place here and um you'd be better off selling marijuana out of here and i was just i was just kind of like blown away when when a usda and he was a a doctor veterinarian uh for usda and a frontline supervisor and i just i, I just couldn't believe he said that to me That's very interesting. It's also very interesting that you have a veterinarian inspecting a food service facility. I'm just saying, Ramon. Michelle? Hi. My bell? Yes. You're How up. are you? And that's okay. swell. Well, okay, so <laughs> I was that lady that just was so against. Uh, anything that's illegal for somebody to all of a sudden make it legal. And uh, a year ago, my son sat me down and said, um, I want to tell you what I really do for a living. I actually have, I'm a grower in California and I have a dispensary in Cal, I'm sorry, a grower in Colorado, a dispensary in California. And I'm working on getting a dispensary here in Houston. And I was just floored. Um, <laughs> one of those things oh not my child but um after going through and, and learning exactly like what the uses were for and his is all is largely uh, epilepsy that he uh, a lot of the doctors are prescribing for it, i am 
I've completely changed my outlook on it, um, honestly. And uh, it's just it's incredible how, how different things can be. Michael Berry Show. The Michael Berry Show. I mean, let's just face it. The man's funny. So the headline is more than half of most U.S. demographic groups now own a smartphone. Ramon, I asked for no diggity as the bump. We're already past the bump now. What are you doing? That's not necessarily true. Oh, was Winston Churchill? Was Winnie into... uh, no diggity? Did not know that. Alright, thank you, Ramon, for complying with my wishes, if a tad late. Pew Research Internet report, quote, more than half of most U.S. demographic groups now own a smartphone. Oh, okay, so a lot of people own a... Wait a minute. That means that almost half of U.S. demographic groups don't own a smartphone. Owning a smartphone or not owning a smartphone is immaterial. I'm sure there are lots of CEOs of major companies that don't own a smartphone. But when you're thinking about how the public votes, how the public reacts, how the rest of the 319 million people out there behave, you have to plug in some data points that you would never assume. Because everybody you know, except your parents or grandparents, has a smartphone. So that means the everybody you know is at best half the population. You don't know anybody who doesn't have a smartphone unless they're in an assisted living facility, and even some of them do. So who are these almost half the public that don't have a smartphone? Would you, would you? It's like when you see a statistic, 96% of American households have a television. And you go, yep, that's, that's pretty much. Wait, who are the 4% of American households that don't have a telly? Even just a black and white, you don't know these people, which means you don't know how they think, how they vote, how they react. They are not living the life you are. So you can't assume that you know anything 
about how these different groups that you didn't even know existed feel about taxes or jobs or the death penalty. Percentage of U.S. adults who own a smartphone, that is iPhone, Android, BlackBerry, or Windows Phone, 68% of U.S. adults. One-third of U.S. adults either don't have a phone at all or have an old clunker, a little uh, what you, a flip phone. I'm not talking about the burner, number two or number three. I'm talking primary phone. 70% of men have a smartphone, 66% of woe men. 66%, and here's one for you, ownership of smartphones, 66% of white adults, 68% of black adults. Can we stipulate as fact Black people like to talk on a cell phone more than white people. Can we just can we lay that out right now? And if you were to take a percentage survey, number of black people who walk around in in a store while shopping with an earpiece, you know that little tick they wear on their ear, talking, walking through the store as if this is totally normal, and it's usually about one of two things. Number one is he don't respect me enough. He gonna get his. And number two is, uh, I'm going to do a billion-dollar deal. Hi, Michael. It's Tom again. I super love your show. I think Ted Cruz is one of the most awesome people ever. Not voting for Trump is the same as pulling trigger for Hillary to skank Clinton. And, of course, you should vote for Trump for no other reason than Supreme Court justice elections. Hey, Michael, I had to bust out my Mexican yesterday. Dude, it has been a long time since I had to talk to Mexican people in their native tongue, but I had to get some things done around the house, so I went to visit a whole pile of Mexicans at a day labor pickup camp. Oh, my God, have you ever done that? Talk about feeling powerful, man. I pulled in and they engulfed my truck. I mean, boom, they were on me in an instant. All those people giving me their attention. I got to tell you, man, for a minute, I felt like Trump. It was amazing. Anyway, like a thousand of them bum-rushed my truck, and I sat there with my windows all the way up because in my mind I was pretending they were zombies that couldn't penetrate my truck. So for a little bit, I just sat there and pretended to be scared. I tried to tremble a little bit, but ended up breaking into laughing, and then the Mexican zombies were just staring at me, right? So I finally rode the window down, and Michael, it was hard to decide which one to talk to um, because there were so many. So there's the one who runs the fastest, and he's standing there looking all strong and proud and I figure he always gets picked. So instead, I screamed out, Yo solo habla to personas que lleva camisas rojas. Um, that means I only want to talk to people in red shirts. So like 80% of them were out, and they moped off all sad like their mom called and said time to come home. Um, I wanted to call the crowd a little more. So I said, Si no tienes un cell phone, no puedes trabajar para mí. And that means if you don't have a cell phone, you can take a hike. Um, and like eight more of them left. And then I said, see, tennis, tattoos, visible, adios. Because tattoos scared me to death. Um, and I had like four Mexicans left, and it was a, a blast, dude. It was so fun. I felt like a god. It was like a game show. It was so awesome. Um, so I surveyed the, the lot, and then I shouted. Um, you have to shout if you're going to talk to people in English that don't speak English. Um, I said, um, any of you guys speak English? 
and then the two of them were like, see, 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 yeah, I speak English. So I was like, you two are out. Beat it, Pedro. Um, that left me with two Mexicans in red shirts with no tattoos and cell phones that didn't speak a lick of English. So I had my crew for the day. Um, I had them sit in the back seat on a big sheet of plastic, and we were off to do stuff around the house. I think they were impressed that I spoke so much Mexican, but truth is, in my high school, we had to take either French, Latin, or Mexican, and I took Mexican because I love Mexican food. It's my second favorite food, and they're... Uh, their whole culture is awesome, and I really like um, that class in, in high school, and, and it super paid off living in Texas because we're like half Mexico now. Um, anyways, I had a good time working with those fellas, and um, I don't think they had their green cards, but I hardly see how that's my problem, right? I mean, I don't work for a Border Patrol. How am I supposed to know? Hey, Michael, I got a joke. Um, what's Hillary Clinton's favorite Christmas carol? Well, that depends. What's yours? <laughs> Get it? Because she tell you whatever the hell you want to hear. Anyway, hey, Michael, can you please say who's there? Please, please, please just say who's there. Um, I could hardly sleep last night because I am pregnant with this punchline, and, like, my feet are in the stirrups, and this joke is crowning, so please try to say who's there. Knock, knock. Have a blessed day. Hello? Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.